Welcome to the Stewardship Leader Podcast, brought to you by the Christian Stewardship Network. CSN exists to encourage, teach, and connect church and stewardship leaders to help them create and lead healthy stewardship ministries in their church. You can learn more about CSN at christianstewardshipnetwork.com. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to Stewardship Leader. I'm your host, Leo Sabo. And with me today, I have two friends, Chris Willard and Greg Morris from Elevate Group. This is a new venture these guys just started that I'm really excited about having them share with you. But before we go there, let's go ahead and just have them introduce themselves and tell us a little bit about you guys. What makes you get up in the morning? Uh, let's start with you, Greg. Tell us what is it about Elevate Group and stewardship and generosity that, that gets you excited? And, and then, Chris, we'll have you jump in and, and share as well. Yeah, Leo, thank you so much for having us. I'm excited to be a part of your your show today. So yeah, so for me, I've, I came out of a corporate background, other type of business consulting and that kind of things, got into church work, went back to seminary and did all that. Uh, at some point realized I wanted to continue to work with churches. I wanted to work with, you know, affect local church at a broader scale. So consulting made the most sense. And I kind of chose the generosity space because honestly, Leo, I think that's the hub that drives a lot of I mean, everything that we do. I mean, everything in the church, all the you know, ministry costs money. Ministry, it takes resources to fund ministry. And so if you pull that hub out, that is generosity, that is our, our vision funding. If you pull that hub out, the wheel collapses, right? Right, right? And and so for me to be able to get up every day and help churches think through how do we reinforce that hub? How do we grow that hub? How do we make that hub stronger so that there are many more things that we can do effectively and advance our mission better. That's exciting to me. So mm. I love that. That's awesome. All right, Chris, what about you? Yeah, well, I came up, um, I came into ministry through my, through Campus Crusade for Christ, of course, now called Crew. So I was a missionary raising support. Mm. So I, for near, for 18 years, that was kind of my life, talking to people about investing in the kingdom to support my work. And so I learned a ton about what we, we can now call the ministry of asking in those years eventually became the executive pastor of the of Discovery Church here in Orlando, where I still serve as an elder. And I also worked with Leadership Network as the director of generosity initiatives. And then for years, I worked as a consultant helping churches with uh, with Generis. That, of course, is where I met I met Greg. And I, to me, very similar to what Greg described, but I have just become more and more convinced over the years that if, if, I, if a church is claiming to make disciples mm. and is not talking to people about generosity and stewardship, then they're not really making disciples. Amen, and and, it, and frankly, yeah. a church that's not making disciples is not doing the work of the church. Okay. So, so this is just a super important topic. Jesus said, where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. If you're my pastor and you're not talking to me about my treasure... That makes me think you don't care about my heart. So I love just coming alongside of these churches and saying, look, I think we can help you do your core mission more effectively, which is to disciple disciple makers. Mm -hmm. And we also, as Greg so well put, we can help you fund the broader work of your church by creating this kind of elevated generosity and stewardship culture. So that's that's what we get up every day trying to think about and helping churches with. And it's pretty fun. Yeah, yeah. Well, I definitely, definitely uh, uh, resonate with that. Chris, you and I have known each other for a long time. 
Uh, you've had me come out and speak uh, several times, and, and this, I know it's a passion for you. This is what you love to do. And I was excited when you reached out to me and said, hey, we're starting this new venture. I want to talk to you about it. And so let's let's go there. Let's uh, tell us about Elevate Group. Why did you guys start this new company? What is different about your approach? Uh, and either one of you could jump in here, but I'd love to hear your take on why did you get do this? What do you hope to accomplish through it? So first of all, I want to say there's a lot of great companies out there in this space that do a lot of great work. Chris and I just started a conversation, gosh, some time ago. I'm not even going to try to speculate at this point uh, how long ago that our conversation we started just talking about how do we do this work better. What, what are some things we would do if, it, if we had if we could start with a white clean whiteboard and, and kind of build this model? And so um, one of the things we came up with first was kind of a team approach. Um, and what we recognize that a lot of times when you hire someone, engage with someone to do this kind of work, you get one person. And that's great. Um, there's usually a team back there in the background somewhere, but you get the one person. What we want to do is bring in a team from the beginning. So we, we bring in a project manager. We bring in a data expert. We bring in a communication expert. We bring in a, a family ministries specialist. We bring in a group life specialist, right? So we bring in all these people that are going to be able to not only to do things that, that might not be in Chris and I's sweet spot mm -hmm. in, our, in, our, in our best wheelhouse, but they, they can provide... Um, fresh energy they can provide fresh perspective and so it's not you're not just getting one person and, and one person's maybe divided over uh multiple projects at a time so you're kind of getting a much more dedicated group of people that specialize in the areas they're working in so that was that was really important for us and the other thing that was important for us was how do we innovate some things in this space and so we got a couple of exciting things going on i really can't dive too deeply in today because they're still in the works but we're partnering with uh with a, with a technology company right now to develop some technology that has never been used before in this space and, and, and engaging people in new ways. Because we think the, the big thing is, you know, is engagement. If we can engage the highest percentage of people in the church, the, the funds that are needed will come along with that. So we're more interested in engagement. So we're working on some, working on some techno technological things that will help drive advancement that have, uh, frankly, have never been used before. And we're real excited about that. And hopefully in the next couple of weeks, fingers crossed, uh, we're going to be able to talk more about that. But uh, those were just a few of the things I could go on and on. Yeah. But those are just a couple of things that I think were important to us when we started Elevate. Yeah. And I'll just add to Leo, we call ourselves Elevate Group because we really believe that our work is to come alongside these church leaders to call their people up to a greater level of engagement and commitment, which we believe and we've seen produces a greater level of resources to accomplish the mission. So there is something about, there's something about church leaders having a genuine strategy to call people up to this life of generosity and stewardship, this life that's truly life that, uh, that we really want to see people experience. And at Elevate Group, our model really is to use a team approach, as Greg said, to help make that happen. And so uh, it's been really great so far. The, the churches that we're currently working with have really resonated with that sort of fresh, different take on how to do it. And, um, you know, we're excited to see some good things happening in the future. Yeah, I love that approach because I think having that team dynamic, as Greg said, when you have someone that's very passionate about a very specific area of the church and can come in with that perspective, that, you know, expertise, it, it, it does have more energy. It does have more ability to produce the kind of results the church is looking for, rather than having one person that has to be 
kind of wearing all the different hats. And, and I know I, I know what I'm good at. So if you're going to ask me specific questions, I can give you general answers about a lot of things. But if you're going to talk to me about something very specific that I'm very, very passionate about, well, I'm going to just brain dump and, and just fire hose you because that's what I live for. That's what I'm excited about. And I love that team approach because you're going to have that kind of passion from each one of these team players when they come into the church. So let's dive just a little bit deeper. When you guys approach a church and you're trying to help them to, to take this to the next level, what specifically do you offer them? How do you, how do you go about it? Give us a little bit of detail. That I know that there's you know very specific things that you do, and I don't need you to go very granular. Just overall, what are you trying to help the church do? Give us a little bit of detail. I'll tell you one thing we really feel uh, pretty passionate about, and a lot of the conversations we're having with pastors, this has sort of been surfacing as a, okay, here's a real challenge here or a real need that that pastors are facing, and it's and it's this, we we really every church needs to have a strategy to speak to the different kinds of givers in your church differently, and mm-hmm. this is a this is like such a an important idea because. A typical pastor, well, I'll say this, a typical pastor, if you say, hey, pastor, what's your strategy to teach generosity and stewardship? He might have an answer. Maybe. Uh, well, you know, we take an offering and we got a couple of classes, but and that's it. What, what we're suggesting is you got to have a much more nuanced, much more focused, much more intentional approach. And you've got to speak to the different kinds of givers in your church differently. For example, the conversation that you're going to have with a person who's a part of your church who hasn't started giving yet. And by the way, that's okay. We're glad they're here, right? We're not going to try to throw anybody out of the church who's not giving yet. But the conversation that a pastor or a pastoral team wants to have with that person is dramatically different than the conversation that they should have with those people in their congregation that God has blessed with the ability to really give and give significantly. Mm. Now, you know, James tells us that we're not supposed to show favoritism to people based on wealth. And I think we all agree with James, right? Right. But as I mentioned a moment ago, uh, Paul tells Timothy in 1 Timothy 6, warn those who are rich, right? And help them to experience a life of generosity, which I love this phrase, and I know you do too, Leo because it's the life that is truly life. Yeah. What, what Paul is saying there is you have to have a different conversation with these kind of folks. Mm-hmm. What we're doing at Elevate Group is we're really working with churches and with pastors and teams to try to build a strategy that addresses each different kind of audience in your congregation so that every one of them can be called to take whatever their next step in, in this journey of generosity and stewardship looks like. Yeah. yeah. That's really hey, good. And I- and I would expand on that just a little bit or just kind of not expand on that so much as to reinforce. I think oftentimes what we're trying to do when it comes to generosity, um, it's important first to recognize that I think there's this disconnect in the Western church sometimes between um, someone's faith journey and their finance journey. And too oftentimes we allow that those to be two separate parallel journeys for an entire person's life. Mm-hmm. Um for a person's entire life. And so uh, we want to connect those. Jesus did not, Jesus, his teaching did not reflect the fact that those were two separate journeys. The finance journey and the faith journey were the same. Sometimes, you know, a pastor may hear, well, you know what, pastor, you can talk about my faith all you want, but you know, my finances, that's off limits. You stay away from my money. And that's because we see those as two parallel, separate, non-adjoining journeys. Mm. And so it's easy to separate those. So we have to teach on that. And, and, and as Chris said, We've got to talk to different people differently because oftentimes what we do, even when we decide we're going to teach on generosity or stewardship, 
is it's like teaching to a room full that, 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 that's, that includes MIT students and includes third graders, right? And everything in between. We, we use one message, we aim at the middle and we miss a lot of the people in there. So we have to have a strategy that helps connect those two journeys, but that speaks to different people in different life stages and different situations and different, uh, that, that, that prefer different communication styles and require different information, so. You know, Leo, it occurs to me that you did this, you and your team did this so well at Gateway, right? This was a huge part of the, the success of your strategy is that you didn't have just one message for everybody. You didn't have just one class for everybody. You, you're, you know, your team was thinking specifically, what does this kind of person need to take their next step? And that's the key, I think, for us. We see helping churches build that out uh, makes all the difference. Yeah. Well, discipleship is not a one size fits all, right? Because people are at different places and some people need more uh, specific teaching and theology. Others need more healing. So so it's, it's about walking people one-on-one. And what you're talking about is really helping the church to understand that you can't just take one curriculum, one class, one message and say, this is for everybody, and it hits everybody the same way. That's not true. People are at different places. I mean, one of the, probably the saddest statistics that I've run across these past six months is just how little uh, millennials give to the church. Now, we know church giving has gone down for a while, but millennials are almost non-present when it comes to giving at all to, to the church, but yet they're very generous as a group. And so why are we not, as a church leadership, taking advantage of the fact that these people like to give, they just don't understand what they're giving to. And so we're not communicating. It's our fault. We need to do better. It's a good example of churches in the past not having a strategy to teach high schoolers and middle schoolers, for example, about what the Bible says about generosity and stewardship and giving. Because when that high schooler or middle schooler becomes a 25-year-old who has his or her first real job and is out there doing some good in the world, because we haven't taught those students about generosity and stewardship and the priority of giving to the church, they're not giving to the church. Right. And it's, right. it's, it's like, I don't know when, when did we expect them to get it? You know, um, it, you know, I often ask pastors, if somebody were to come to your church and didn't already know what the Bible says about generosity and stewardship and giving, would they learn it from you? Mm. And the, and the truth is, Usually the way pastors answer that question is they'll say something like, well, if they hung in there long enough and they gave us enough time, they would eventually get it. And we just know that that's not good enough. You have to have an intentional strategy to teach this. And so what we do at Elevate Group is we sort of two kind of two tracks that we run on. Several of the churches that we're currently working with, what they really want from us is help us build out the comprehensive strategy for generosity and stewardship at our church. Mm -hmm. So we go in there and kind of do a diagnostic and try to figure out what's going on. And then we help them build a model that really fits their church. And that's one of the things that we're doing. The other thing that we're doing is, of course, often churches will call us because, hey, we've got a project we want to do. Uh, we're finally getting able to get back into our building and we want to renovate that thing, or we need a bigger space, or we want to plant a church or something like that. And so a church will call us because there's a project that they want to pursue. What we are committed to doing, though, is during that project work, we still want to help them with all of that basic blocking and tackling related to generosity and stewardship, discipleship, so that at the end of the day, not only have they been able to accomplish the project, but they've actually elevated generosity and stewardship 
in mm. over the kind of the whole scope of their church. And so they can kind of go forward and, and, and keep it up. Yeah. I mean, obviously that's a, that's a much better approach than just doing running from project to project. And, and many churches understand that sometimes, you know, capital campaigns are part of the, the equation. You do need to raise funds sometimes specifically for certain ministry uh, opportunities that come our, our way in churches, but it's not a long-term viable strategy to go from capital campaign to capital campaign that's just focused on the project, while at the same time not building, you know, generosity within the culture. You know, it should not be something that you have to stir people up to give, and then all of a sudden it's like, okay, I've done. No, it's it should be an outflow of ministry, that we're discipling people to be more focused on building God's kingdom than building the kingdom of this world. So I love that. So let me jump into uh, another question here. As I read your blog post, your website, by the way, guys, if you want to go and learn more about Elevate Group, go to elevategroup.us, elevategroup.us, uh, and you'll you'll find out blogs, website, content, they have some resources there, and of course, you can learn more about how you can connect with them. But as I notice uh, what you guys are, are, are emphasizing, you really are emphasizing both stewardship and generosity in your coaching. So why is that important to you guys? Why do you think both need to be addressed as you're approaching these churches and helping them with this? Yeah, such a great question. I, I think I think there was a, somewhere along the way, and I'm not really sure where this happened, but I think there was this uh, cool movement to say, um, hey, let's move away from the word stewardship. It's kind of old-fashioned. Let's use the word generosity, right? Mm-hmm. Which, which, which sounds good, except those two things aren't the same thing. And, and that's been, that's still a little confusion we run in today. You know, and I, I tell people all the time, well, you know, you can have some really, really generous people, but if they're not good stewards, they won't be generous long because they're not going to have the resources to be generous with it. They're going to liquidate all their resources pretty quickly and be done with it. Or you can have somebody who's a really, really, really good steward, but they bury their talents so deep. They're not very generous. Right. Yeah. So those two things are, are those two things are are, 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 are not the same thing. And it's important for us to understand how they work together, how they work together help in a healthy way. And I think when, when you teach, when you help somebody understand true biblical generosity coupled with true biblical stewardship, we see some of the most financially healthy people in our country. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I hear a lot of, a lot of times I'll, I'll hear pastors say, well, Greg, you know, we'd love to talk more about this, but our folk, I mean, yeah, our people, we're just, we're this kind of community or that kind of community. And our people are up to their ears in credit card debt and things like that. And, and, and money is just a very sensitive topic around here. And, and my thing is always, well, you know, if we're not teaching them about biblical generosity and biblical stewardship and how this fit together, there's nobody else in their life that's going to do that. They're, mm-hmm. they're not, they're not going to go to any other retailer or any other person that's going to, that's just looking for them to spend their money. Right. And that person's not going to do that for them. If we don't do it in the church, it's not going to happen. And so we're perpetuating that creation of less healthy financially people, uh, less financially healthy people, because we're not teaching them that. And, and I think it is always important to balance those two and understand that generosity and stewardship are different things. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, Greg. And I'll tell you, it seems, and Leo, you probably see this as well. The typical pastor who's really a good communicator, maybe a vision caster, can a person who can rally the troops, that person, if they're going to lean on one way or the other in this topic, they're probably going to talk more about generosity than they will stewardship. And of course, the problem with that is, is pastor, it doesn't matter how compelling your message is about generosity and stewardship and giving. If you're talking to a room full of people that spend 115% of their income every year and they're upside down financially, Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter how compelling your message is. They can't say yes to that. 
Right. And so one of the one of the things I appreciate about what you guys do at CSN is you've reminded us as church leaders that teaching stewardship is discipleship. That mm-hmm. teaching stewardship is spiritual. It's not yeah 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 we have to teach this kind of stuff so that we can get more money out of people. No. This is all a part of what it means to be a growing believer. So yeah, we we find some churches are better at one side or the other. What we try to help them do is have a comprehensive approach to address both of those issues. Yeah, it's a it's a balanced approach, right? I mean, it's a balanced message. It's, you don't want to lead too heavy on one or the other, but both are important for, for longevity, both for the believer to make sure that they are balanced in both managing, but also not, you know what I mean? Because if I, I can be a good steward, as Greg said, but yet, if I if I bury my talent so deep because I'm trying to you know check off all the boxes, then I'm not really living as a disciple of Jesus. I'm not following in His footsteps to also be generous. So there is the financial side that makes the generosity possible. It's really hard. I I used to say it this way: you can motivate somebody and stir their hearts to give generously one time. But here's the problem: if you do that and they're not prepared financially to deal with what's going to happen afterwards, they may actually even have regret and bitterness toward God and the church because they were coerced into giving. You know, they'll look back on it and say, this wasn't something that I gave because I was prepared and discipled to do so. I did it because it sounded like the right thing to do and my heart was leading me to do that. But then they have to deal with a mess that they've built, which is a lack of managing money well. And I would hate to position people, believers who have a heart, for God to make them embittered toward the church because they were coerced into giving. And again, it's not what a pastor desires to do, but when you're not teaching both sides, that's the risk that we run, is that we motivate them to give, we bring them into this frenzy of giving, and then later on there's regret and there's bitterness and there's maybe even walking away from the church because they feel like they've been ill-equipped to actually handle what they should be doing. And I take personal responsibility as a pastor that it was my job to teach them how to manage money so that if God was asking them to give a portion, they could do so without regret, without reservation. They could do so and know that God was going to be faithful because he had been faithful up until that point. So just love that you're combining those two. Uh, Again, like you, I think I see too much sometimes we talk about generosity and leave stewardship out, but we also can't just talk about stewardship and not motivate people to give. We got to give them to give. We got to get them to divorce themselves from the spirit of mammon that wants us to just build safety and security and money. And that's not where it comes from. So go ahead, Greg. I was just going to say real, real quick. I would just add on to that as well. I think there's in, in defining those terms, I think it's important too, because sometimes even we have to, we try to start with what is it, what do those two things really mean? And so I think when you get into the true definition of stewardship, it really, it, it's more than just how someone stewards their money. It's how they steward their life. It's how they steward their children. It's how they steward everything. And, but when we don't define that word, we, we miss the opportunities that go along with whole life stewardship in the same way with generosity, because too often, I think when we say the word generosity, people go, oh, that's just money. We're just asking people for money. And I go, no, it's, it's much more than that. You know, a generous person. I mean, Jesus, the most, it, I think none of us would argue that Jesus was probably the most generous person that ever walked the earth. Um, basically had no money to be generous with, but was still considered the most generous person that ever lived. So generosity. Uh, now we know truly generous people that have money will be generous with that money. But, you know, th- there's so many impacts on the church of generosity or lack thereof. I mean, I think when there, when there are issues with the church that divide division within churches that's often a generosity issue that's one side has one belief one side has another belief and there's not generosity on either side to be able to even see the other sides they just go this is good this this is the way my mama taught me right and so i'm gonna 
I'm not, I'm not going to be generous to your belief. I'm just holding my gun, sticking to my guns. I'll go somewhere else if I need to. So I think we really have to help people understand holistic generosity and holistic stewardship and not just that those two terms are exclusive to finances. Exactly. I agree with that. All right. So as you talk to pastors and uh, about generosity and stewardship, is there a common thing that you guys are seeing? Are there challenges or situations are running against that you're seeing and that you're trying to address? Yeah, well, I did. I mentioned that one issue with regard to different kinds of the need to speak to different kinds of givers differently. I think that's important. I would say another issue that is, I think, really important is this whole this whole transition that we've made. Virtually every church in America now is kind of a global church. Right? Because mm-hmm. everybody is now streaming their, their services and people can join you from anywhere on the planet. That's true. And so we're having to really ask ourselves, what are the models that we use to engage people related to generosity and stewardship and giving when their physical presence in a worship service is not as consistent, perhaps, as it once was, or mm-hmm. where in many cases... Um, I may never physically now enter your facility, but I'm still feeling like you're my church and I'm connected. What I saw, what we saw happen, and Leo, I'm sure you've seen this too. I think churches did a pretty good job, to be honest, of making the pivot quickly Mm -hmm. from being in person to being online. And every church that I've talked to has said, yeah, our online giving went from like, we were only at about 25%. Now it's like 75%, something like that. All of that's terrific. The difference, of course, is at some point in time, you still have to ask yourself, what does an offering moment look like during a worship service mm-hmm. when a bunch of the people who are joining us are not physically in the room with us? Mm-hmm. What, what, does, what does engagement look like for people when they're not necessarily with us physically as often as they were? And uh, that is a common theme that we're addressing with pastors all of the time. And I, you know, I, even in my own church, I'm very encouraged to see that our guys are really thinking about the fact that not, not everybody who's experiencing what I'm talking about right now is physically with us. And how do I make that change or how do I make that, that transition? That's a big deal. I don't know, Greg, if there's something else that you are seeing out there that you want to add or anything that you want to topics you're, you're hearing. I think it, I think a lot is around online engagement. I mean, you know, what happened back in March of 2020, um, like you said, I remember having a, I remember having a, doing an interview with a, uh, with a pastor of a pretty large multi-site church in the Southeast. And we were talking and, and, and this is, this was a, this is a, you know, a five digit weekly uh, church and, and multiple sites and, and does very progressive deal, did a lot of things right. And one of the things he said to me, he said, you know, we had been bouncing back and forth on this question of our com- level of commitment to our online services for a long time. How committed are we really to online services? How important is that really? We've been bouncing back and forth. And, you know, on March, we'll fill in the blank, whatever day, our, answer, our, our, our decision was made for us, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it became critically important. And so I think what happened it, during that time is the price of admission, and I, I'll use that term and I'll, I'll clarify, the price of admission to church went down. And what I mean is the price of admission used to be, you know, you got to get up, you got to get a shower, you got to get the kids ready, you got to get in the car, you got to drive to church. You know, you got to, there was, there's some things you had to, had to give up to do that. 
Well, the price of admission became just get out of bed, right? Or maybe not even get out of bed, just just grab the remote and click on uh, Roku and, and, and go to YouTube and watch church, right? The price of admission went way down. So we had a lot. We, we had some people that weren't as um, as seasoned churchgoers as normal in there. And that that has to change not only how we talk about the offering moment and finances and, and stuff like that, but it has to change how we connect with people in lots of ways. And so I think it's really important. Uh, and that's one of the reasons we have a communication specialist on our team now, because we, we kind of look at online services and try to think through, Hey, remember you're, you're not connecting with only the same group you were connecting with before. You're, you're very likely and almost probably um, connecting with some people who have very little church experience and they're, they're, they're seeing this from a very different lens than you've ever had to think through before. So I think that's a big thing too. We think about it a lot in generosity in terms of generosity, but I think it has to be thought through in terms of everything you do in the church. Yeah. That's, that's such an important aspect right there because I think it's challenging enough to disciple people when they come to church every week and they're part of a life group, you know, that that's challenging enough because you, you need to make sure that you're saying the right things, that you're getting that commitment, that you're seeing the fruit and continue to, to kind of harvest that. But now when people can chime in for 30 minutes and have maybe not even not even chat, not even add any comment, just sit there and watch, you have no idea what their knowledge base is. You have no idea where they're at in life. You don't know whether they're fully committed to Christ, if they're just starting their journey, if they know anything about finances. And then you do an offering, and there's so much presumed, I think, in the church world that everybody kind of understands this. Well, what if you have somebody join for the first time and has no clue that you take an offering? I mean, there are people out there that don't realize that the church actually puts a plate out, or somehow you give online or whatever. I mean, it shouldn't be taken for granted. I like that we were thrust forward with technology in the church because we needed to embrace it and we need to we need to take advantage of this gift. But at the same time, it's caused all kinds of other additional challenges that we need to make sure we're, we're addressing. So I love that you guys are coming in, looking at this and coaching this and looking not just at, at how we used to do things, but really helping churches to have a lens uh, or look through a lens that they maybe aren't exposed to so that they are thinking ahead and thinking, who are we connecting with? Who are these people? How do we understand them better so that we can serve them better, so that we can disciple them and help them move on their journey of generosity and stewardship? And all of that is part of it. And one other thing I think that's so important that you said earlier, Greg, is that the church is not known for financial wisdom and financial education. And that's such a shame to me. And this is what kind of gets me up in the morning because I think if there's any entity in the world that has the truth about money and possessions and wealth, it's the church, it's the Word of God, and yet we shy away from it. When everybody else in the world who has ulterior selfish motives are like screaming it from the rooftops, and we should be the ones that are, are offering this information because it is truth, it is something that's going to really fulfill and help them have that kind of life that is truly life, not the facade that the world puts ahead of them. I'm grateful that you guys are in this space. I'm grateful that you're providing this kind of coaching and information to these churches because it's desperately needed. Thanks, Leo, for saying that. You know, one of the things that we've we've seen happen, and Greg, I know this happens with you, is, you know, we're working with churches and we're trying to help them to really be intentional about discipling people in generosity and stewardship and giving. Sometimes it's because we're doing some sort of a campaign, sometimes because it's just we're helping them with their strategy. 
But I often tell pastors, I'll say, listen, some number of weeks or months from now, if we're doing this right, some number of weeks or months from now, somebody is going to come up to you in your church and they're going to say something like this. Hey, pastor, it feels like we talk about money around here more than we used to. Like, what's that all about? And I always encourage pastors, man, when that happens, what I want you to say back to that person is, I am so glad you noticed that. You know, the Bible says where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. I'm your pastor. I care about your heart. The answer is not, well, yeah, I'm, I, you know, I appreciate you pointing that out. We're really trying to raise a bunch of money and trying to squeeze as much money out of you people as we possibly can. And so that's, that's why we talk about money a lot. No, it isn't that it's, it's, um, we're trying to, we're trying to elevate generosity and stewardship and giving here in our church, because this is a fundamental part of spiritual formation and people have to get it. Right. And yeah, yeah it, it is also going to help us provide resources to do more ministry. Sure. But we have sort of both of those things are driving it. It isn't just the fundraising thing. It's a discipleship thing, too. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would I'd also, you know, over the last seven plus years, I've spoken multiple times all over the country. And one of the one of the talks that I've done a lot is kind of the seven trends that affect generosity and stewardship. And those trends have consistently changed over the, that period of time. The one trend for sure that has not changed that I've talked about a lot is just this trend of pastors becoming more and more timid in terms of talking about money. Mm. And, and, and Chris said this, so I'm going to steal this one from Chris because he said this the other day in another conversation we were having and it's genius. So, so I've used it since then, but you know, he talked about there's, there's those two past two passages in specific, you know, specific, uh, Lee, where, where Jesus said one is, um, you know, man can't worship God and money. Well, that could have been God in blank and you could put anything in that blank, right? Mm -hmm, He could have, he could have put, there's, there's thousands and thousands of things he could have put in that blank. He didn't, he chose money. Uh, when he said, you know, where your, where your treasure is, where your heart will be. Right. He could have, he could have said where your blank is. He could put anything in that blank. Mm -hmm. That's where your heart will be. But both times he chose treasure and very, very, um, pretty pretty intense statements about hey this is serious stuff and so yeah like like this this timidity over talking about money this fear of talking about money this thinking that i'll address all these other hard it cracks me up sometimes because these a lot of these pastors will hit some really tough issues i mean they'll go head on with some really kind of really divisive issues and then money they're like uh we're gonna back off that yeah it, it's a shame it's a shame i do think that the enemy um is working double time when it comes to this issue. And I love the heart of, of senior uh, leaders in churches because it's a sacrificial thing they're doing. Many of them are talented leaders that could certainly make more money in the real world and, and you know pursue that, but yet they have a calling. And I want to embolden and strengthen them, just as you guys do, to, to take up the mantle and know that this is something Jesus did not shy away from, and neither should they. So I'm grateful for what you guys are doing. Uh, I'm excited about this new venture. I know it's going to serve a lot of churches simply because I know your hearts. And I think, uh, I think many that will connect with you will see and, and, and experience the benefit of that. How can people know more about you? How can they connect with you? How would you guide them to uh, go to the next step? Uh, yeah, thanks, Leo. Yeah, the, the website's the best place to start, elevategroup.us. You'll see some blog posts that you can read. There's some other uh, resources there that we hope will be helpful to you. One of the things we're offering uh, to pastors or church teams is to schedule a discovery call. And you'll see a little uh, little link that you can click there on our website. 
that'll be an informal kind of at your own pace, kind of on your own schedule opportunity for us to kind of get to know you and your church and maybe see if there's a match or a way that we might be able to serve you. Uh, we found that that model has been helping a lot of churches kind of connect with us. So uh, elevategroup.us schedule a discovery call would probably be the best way to get going. But in the meantime, feel free to check out our, our blog resources. All of that is on the website. Well, guys, thanks so much for taking the time to be with us today. I'm excited about uh, your ministry and what you're going to be doing in this space. We need more and more ministries like yours. And uh, I love that you've, uh, you've gone on this path and that you're going to serve churches. So thank you for your time and thank you for what you're doing. Thanks, Leo. And thanks to all, thank thanks to you and to all of your, the great work that you guys at CSN do. And we're, we're grateful that we can collaborate and partner with you guys. Hey, man. Thank you, Leo. I appreciate it. Uh, thanks, guys. And I want to thank you, our listener, for listening to this podcast. We certainly hope that it was beneficial to you. And if it was, would you do us a huge favor and share it? Share it with another church leader or stewardship leader that you know of so that they could also benefit from this information. To learn more about CSN and how CSN can help you to build a thriving stewardship ministry, you can go to christianstewardshipnetwork.com where you'll find online content. We have a course that we would love for you to take advantage of. Also, podcasts and blogs and other resources and connections that will help you in your journey of building a thriving stewardship ministry. Well, thank you so much for joining me, and I look forward to seeing you next time on Stewardship Leader.